Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well uh, this morning. I got one response from that. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Awesome. That's awesome. And you can, uh, if you have your Bibles, so much better. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. And uh, if you don't, you can look on uh, on the screens. You might have your device with you. You can jump on uh, version or whatever you use. But uh, I'd love for you to join me as we dive in on our second week of uh, the series that we've called Body Life, where we're studying, uh, really looking at God's Word and what it has to say uh, about the family of God. And uh, man, I love the fact that... Um, we, we just, that song that we just sang summarizes everything that Paul was trying to say in the book of Romans so when he wrote this letter to the church in Rome, to the Christians there in Rome. And I love the fact that we got our students who um, like learned that song at, at Big Stuff Camp and we were, they were singing it with everything they've got. It was awesome and encouraging and inspiring to see. So way to go, guys. I'm excited for y'all and what God is doing in the life of our student ministry at Hilton Head Island Community Church. It is so cool. So very excited for that. You guys are awesome. I hope that a lot of you have been watching the Olympics. Have you been watching the Olympics? Yeah, raise your hand. You've been watching the Olympics along with me? Are you guys ready for it to be over now? <laughs> yeah. Swimming's over. You know, I guess some of the gymnastics stuff's over. And, like, they ran the marathon this morning. I don't, the women ran the marathon this morning. Not sure what the result was. Um, but we were watching in our house, we were watching Michael Phelps win his 23rd. Is that right? 23rd gold medal in a, in a swimming event. It's just incredible to think about that. 23 gold medals um, in, in four different Olympics, and who knows, the guy may be back uh, in a few years. But it's just incredible to think about these Olympians, and, and I love it, man. I love the, especially the swimming this year. They had such a team effort. We talked about that last week. Um, they had such this team thing going this year. It was so encouraging to see, and I loved it because um, they have the smile on their face um, even when they, when they don't place and when they don't, like, win a medal, there's, they're excited and enthusiastic. And, and you, you and I may not quite grasp or quite understand maybe the reason why that's the case, but there is so much that goes into just being there. Never mind getting a bronze or a silver or a gold medal. There's so much that goes in to just being at the Olympics, being in Rio this year in 2016. There's so much, and I love it because um, when you look at these athletes and you see their performance, um, what maybe we don't realize is what's behind that. And what's behind that is this incredible willingness to sacrifice so much of who they are for the opportunity to be at the Olympic Games and to be representing their country uh, and, and to be participating in their sport. And, and there they are on this world stage, and there's so much that ha it has taken for them to be there, and, and, and they are people who understand cause and effect. Um, we were talking about it last night as um, Sean and I um, were watching Michael Phelps win, and I kind of made this like casual comment to Sean, who's nine years old. I said, hey, dude, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just jump in the pool like as we are and swim that fast that'd be awesome like if dad could like go to the olympics and like swim at rio that'd be awesome and he responded as the nine-year-old kid he said dad all of the athletes are in their 20s and 30s and you're in your early 40s i think i said mid 40s he said you're in your early 40s so you don't qualify dad um to which i very quickly looked Google up and like did a search on Google and looked up that there are a lot of athletes that are over my age, okay? So I'm just saying, all right? 
right? Okay, so anyway, it's not just a young person's uh, thing. You know, there's a lot of, lot of people who are my age or older. And uh, so we had that funny little exchange. But, um, like, wouldn't it be awesome if you and I could go to Rio or where's, where's it going to be held next? I can't remember. Uh, Tokyo, yeah. If you go to Tokyo next time in four years and just compete without doing anything to compete. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But it would be a miserable experience. It would be incredibly miserable because we cannot understand, we can't even comprehend what they sacrifice willingly for their sport and for their country. They understand cause and effect. They understand that what they put into their body in terms of nutrition is going to like, result in a good performance or a bad performance depending on how much and what they put into their body. They understand that their level of fitness and their ability to get in shape in the hours and the days and weeks and months and years and even decades leading up to those Olympic Games is so important. Their fitness is incredibly important. Their health is important. They understand that their fitness and their health is vitally important to them as they compete in these Olympic Games. So their level of success, success, they understand, is tied to what they do with their bodies and what they do with their minds. We'll talk about that in a moment. They understand cause and effect in an incredible way. And, and there are some times that I wish, from a spiritual perspective, I, w- I was a little bit more like those Olympic athletes. That I would understand in my life that there's a cause and effect spiritually in my life. And I think that often, um, Christ followers, we may sing about um, death was arrested, and we may rejoice around what God did by sending Jesus to die on the cross to save us from our sins. And um, we may sing about that, we may be enthusiastic about it, but we may not quite understand, we may not quite get the fact that there's a cause and effect spiritually. That what we put into our minds and what we put into our bodies and what we consume out there in the world is going to have a result on our spiritual condition. And that result spiritually is going to affect the body of Christ. Last week in part one of this message series, we're really focusing on what the church means and what God's purpose is with the church and what his purpose is for us as a local church. We talked about the fact that Paul, and and really all throughout the New Testament, not just Paul, the the, the early writers of of the Bible in the New Testament describe the church in several different forms and comparisons. And one of the words they use is a body, meaning that the church is a living, breathing, alive organism. It is something that is meant to be living and breathing. It's not meant to be dead. It's not meant to be something that's stale and sits on a shelf. And I hope and I pray that 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 word body of Christ has maybe a new meaning for you now. Uh, If you weren't here last week and you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message because it's really important because we talked about unity and the fact that God calls us as a body to work together, even though we're all different, we all have different parts to play, that we work together and, and we really are unified when we come around one single mission. And our mission at this church is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. 
It really is that simple, and it's a reflection of that great commission that God gave us all the way back in Matthew chapter 28. And so that's why we exist, and we are better when we are together, unified, rallying around that issue. And it's one of the reasons, like, some of you will ask me, why don't I talk about politics, or why don't I talk about a specific issue? Um, Some of you are like, thank goodness you're not talking about politics, especially this year. Like, some of you are thankful for that, and I get that. Some of you would rather me do a little bit more. That's why I don't largely talk about any kind of, like, issue, is because this is our issue. This is it, church. It's the fact that God created uh, the world. He created mankind all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Um, uh, Adam and and Eve sinned, and, and sin entered the world in humanity, in the stream of humanity once and for all. But God in his mercy, as we just sang about, sent his son Jesus to save the world. And if we put our faith in him alone, we will have salvation. That's our issue. That's our purpose. And that's what we need to be unified and rally behind. Now, Paul talks about everything that I just mentioned in this letter that he writes to this church in Rome that's beginning to go in the first century, beginning to go through some persecution and about ready to go through some major persecution. And he addresses them. And in the like, just like packed full of meaningful, significant theology of what we believe, even still this day, this church believes in everything he talked about, that salvation is found in Christ alone. And then Paul dives in in Romans chapter 12 and the rest of Romans, and he describes what that means to us on a daily basis. And I want you to read here from Romans 12. We're just going to look at two verses today. Romans 12, verses 1 and verse 2. Check this out. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, say that next word with me, transformed, he says, by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I had a uh, high school teacher and then another college professor. Um, I went to a Christian school. Some of you go to Hilton Head Christian Academy, and and, uh, I went to a school very similar to that in Atlanta. Uh, I wasn't at the beach, so, you know, I had that going against me. But anyway, you guys got it good. But we, uh, we had Bible classes, and so this was one of the first passages that we had to memorize, and we memorized it back in the old King James with a lot of these and thous and um, that's not a bad thing, okay? Don't email me about, like, you don't like King James. Okay, like, some of you may do, want to do that. Please don't do that. But we uh, learned it in a different, um, pass, in a different uh, uh, translation. And, and, but it was so important that we learn that because this is a pivotal, pivotal statement. And my professor in college and my Bible teacher in high school used to have a really corny statement that um, they would make. Um, and they would say every time in, in the Bible, and it's corny, but it kind of stuck with me, so I'm going to pass it on to you. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to look and see what the word therefore is. Yeah, you guys are in the same class, weren't you? So you guys, it's really corny. Guys, I'm sorry. I really am. But it's, it's, it, does help. it does really help because it really is meaningful. And Paul essentially is saying this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore. And what he's saying is everything that's happened in chapters 1 through 11 is so incredibly important. And he says, I appeal to you because of everything that I've just talked about. Because of the message of Jesus and having salvation in Christ alone. Faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Because of that, 
Here is the way that we are supposed to live and function as a church body. And so even everything before the comma in that one verse is just so incredibly powerful. I appeal to you, think about that. He doesn't say, I want you to think about. I want you to consider. I want you to ponder. He says, I appeal to you. And appeal is a strong word. It's an impassioned word. Like I'm strongly, strongly Christ follower in Rome. And Christ follower here in 2016 on Hilton Head Island, I am passionately asking you to think about and to consider the fact that in light of what God did on the cross, and then he goes in and he says, brothers, by the mercies. Now, it's really interesting that he, he said mercies. Because the word is used in, in its plural form, even, the, even in the original language. And essentially what Paul is saying there is is that, yes, we have mercy and grace like we just sang about. Yes, we have this great gift that's given by God um, through Jesus, through the death and, and burial and resurrection of Jesus that gives us salvation. But you and I as Christians, we don't often think about everything that we have after salvation. See, on this side of heaven, while we're living on earth, God has given us so many spiritual blessings and mercies, and there are things that he's given us. He's given us forgiveness with each other, um, continual forgiveness with him. He's given us grace that lasts, that never ends. He's given us the ability and, and, um, to, to have the Holy Spirit come into our lives at the moment that we ask Jesus to be our Savior. The Holy, God's Holy Spirit indwells us, and we become the home of, of the Spirit of God. And because of that, he leads us, and he guides us, and he convicts us of sin, and he gives us wisdom. There are so many things in, in the Bible that God gives us as adopted children into the family of God. And we have the inheritance like that. And he says, in view of all of those mercies, not just salvation, that you and I should present, to, to display, to bring to God our bodies or your bodies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, in the original language, when he, he, he wrote that word bodies, the, the people that read it then, and I want you to capture this now, they understood what that meant was the whole person every part. The mental part, the physical part, like the, the, the skin and bones and blood and sweat and tears, the emotional part, the, the, every part of our being, we, in response to what God did by sending his son on the cross, are to present to him, and then he says these two words, and I want you to say it, say it with me. He says, you're to present your bodies as living sacrifices. And that's probably the most important part of that verse, that we're supposed to bring to God as living sacrifices. This was a kind of a callback to the Old Testament when the requirement for forgiveness of sin was that there was an animal sacrifice. You see, God did away with that when he sent Jesus on the cross. No longer was that needed. But back then, you would bring the whole sacrifice. You wouldn't just bring part of the animal. You'd bring the whole animal. And, and the whole animal would, on a burnt offering, would be completely consumed. It would be completely taken over. And what Paul, um, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, is trying to tell us here is, is that we are to present every part of who we are as a living sacrifice to God. 
And essentially what he's saying is, is that when we as people bring ourselves to God, that we should bring the whole thing. When we ask for him to be our Savior, what we receive is we receive God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We get all of God. And his expectation now, if you're a Christ follower, is that you bring all of you to him. Living sacrifices. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. And then he says this, holy and acceptable to God. What he's saying there is that we're not supposed to be perfect. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He doesn't expect us to do everything right. That's why there's continual forgiveness of sin. But we are to be set apart. That's what that word holy means. Holy and acceptable. It's interesting. The, the word holy there is related um, specifically to, to temple and, and, and to worship. And some of you probably grew up like I did in a lot more formal setting of church than, than this, right? A lot of you probably grew up in a little bit more formal setting. Uh, I did too. And, and so, like, you would walk in our church, and my dad was, like, you know, ready to pounce on me if I, like, was loud or boisterous or whatever. And, like, you come in here, and we want you to be that way, right? You know, like, we, we have a band. We have drums. Like, we go for it in worship as a church. And part of the reason that we do that is no longer is the dwelling place of God a physical place in the world. Now the dwelling place of the Spirit of God is inside of each one of you who have accepted him as your Savior. Do you realize that? You have become the dwelling place of God Almighty. I want you to think about that for a moment. You've become... The physical like structure where the spirit of God lives no longer is it, you know, in an ark or at a temple or in a church specifically. It is in you. As soon as we accept Jesus Christ as our savior, the spirit of God indwells us and he makes his home in us. That's why we are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. So God no longer desires for a place to be holy. You know what he desires to be holy? You. You and me. You and me. And so he uses that word holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now we're going to come back to spiritual worship in a moment. I want to continue on with um, verse 2. Check this out in verse 2. By the way, um, before you think that Paul um, like only mentions this in one place, in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he also talks about this. Check this out in verses 19 and 20. He says, "Do, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your bodies. And so as a response to what God did through Jesus, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's the message of of, uh, Romans 12, verse 1. But check out verse 2. I love this. He continues on, and he describes this in more detail in this pivotal passage. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be, say it with me again, transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There are, there's such an important concept in the conformed and transformed part of what Paul is saying there. Um, I, I asked Summer to um, give me some Play-Doh because I figured a children's director at a church had to have Play-Doh. Right, so she brought me Play-Doh. I thought it was red because it was dark back there. I was hoping it was UGA, Georgia, Go Dogs Red, but it's, what is that, fuchsia? It's pretty, isn't it? Anyway, um, so 
Play-Doh. I, I love playing with Play-Doh. Any of you guys love playing with Play-Doh when you were a kid? Yep. Parents, we hate Play-Doh, don't we? Don't we hate Play-Doh, parents? It doesn't come out of anything, does it? Ice doesn't work. Hairspray doesn't work. Nothing works. It just doesn't. Like if it gets in the couch, you're buying a new couch. Okay, so that's the way Play-Doh works. But I love Play-Doh as a kid. And here's what Paul's trying to convey. Paul's trying to convey that you and I, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, that you and I are like, like clay. We're a little bit like this Play-Doh. And we have two choices as Christians. We have a choice. We can either be conformed by what? The world. Or transformed by who? God. By Him. And the word that Paul uses for conformed is a little bit different than transformed. And what it essentially means is that it means it's pulled apart and it's separated. We think of conformed as put in a box. But here's why Paul used this word that literally means to be pulled apart and to be shaped apart. is because the world is going to tell us ten different things of how we're supposed to live our lives. Am I right? The world is going to tell us that we should live like Hollywood says. Or the world is going to tell us that we should live like the self-help book that's out there that everybody's reading says. The world is going to tell us that we should live honoring our sport only. The world is going to say that we should live really like with a focus of our lives just making money. Or the world even says that we should live being a prisoner of addiction. Or being captivated by something that pulls us away from God and our family and those who are most meaningful to us. And Paul is saying that in light of what God did on the cross, that we should make the choice to not be conformed by this world although that's so easy, and it's powerful, and it's tempting. And every single one of you who are in here who are Christ followers have been tempted probably in the last 24 hours to be conformed by this world. It happens all the time. But he says what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be transformed, transformed, changed in shape. And you see, the one who created each one of you, the one who created each one of you, is in the business of transforming you into a shape, the shape that he wants, and it's one shape, and it's one thing. You're not being pulled in a thousand directions, but he wants to transform you into the image of his son. How does that happen? Well, Paul says here that it happens through the renewal of our minds. The Olympic athletes understand that it's not just about fitness and it's not just about nutrition. Olympic athletes and athletes everywhere, whether it's golf or football or basketball or baseball or whatever the sport may be, um, they understand that no longer is their ability to succeed at their sport just about their physical bodies. They understand in increasing fashion over the years that it has so much to do with what? Their mind. Sports psychologist, the, the, the whole industry of sports psychology has mushroomed over the years. If you want to go and get all your degrees and become a sports psychologist, you probably have a pretty good career track. Because athletes who understand cause and effect understand that you're only as good as your mind. And spiritually, we can allow our minds to be pulled apart in a thousand directions by what the world says, or we can choose to allow our minds to come under the control 
of God and what he desires, and we can be transformed into the image of the one who created us. Listen, I have moments where I fail every day at this, just like you do, we all do. We all have times where we are pulled apart and we make the decision to go with what the world says. It says that we shouldn't, but we do. We we don't need to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, Paul, under the inspiration, please don't miss this, Paul, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, understood that so much of our spiritual lives is determined by what we dwell upon and what we think about and what we take in with our minds. He didn't even talk about the heart here. Are you with me? So much of of you guys who are are students and you're going to go to college and you're going to get into the world and some of you um, are already there and a lot of them are checking in right now this weekend. Um, Man, you're going to be pulled apart in a thousand directions. My challenge to you, and I know Todd Cooper, our, youth, our student pastor, our challenge to you, our staff's challenge to you, our elders, is to, to not be pulled apart by the world. But you know, it's not just students that deal with this. It's the rest of us, right? We deal with it every single day. We're pulled apart by the world, and we need to be transformed by what we think about, by what we dwell on, what we place uh, our thoughts on. And it is so easy to be pulled apart by the world. See, the world says that we should empty our minds. That's not what God says. He says that we should be renewed in our minds. And the primary way that he renews our minds is through his word. And so if you were to ask me, Todd, how in the world do do I go about having my mind renewed? I would say this. Do everything that you can to allow his word to just absolutely consume your mind. Do everything that you can to allow this blueprint for life, the story about God and man, the blueprint for how he wants us to live, to consume our thoughts. Because when we're renewed by this, we're protected as best we can from being conformed to the world, to being pulled apart in a thousand different directions by everything that everybody says is right. And so the world wants us to empty our minds, but God says that we should be renewed and fill our minds with his word. Well, how do we do that? There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, If you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, you're going to hear about groups next week. You've got to be in a group. You've got to be doing this life together because trying to figure this out on your own, trying to have your mind renewed by the word of God and conform, be conformed into his image is hard. It is so difficult, even in community. But it's almost impossible outside of community. And so I want to challenge you to, to, to jump in and find out where you can get involved in a group. If, if you can't find a group on Wednesday night starting September the 14th, we're going to have this place open. Our students are going to be meeting back there on, on Wednesdays from now on, uh, starting on September the 11th, uh, uh, you know, Sunday, September 11th. On the 14th, they're going to start meeting behind us. Adults, we're going to meet in here, and we're going to do something that's called Wednesday Night Roots. Time for us to go deeper from what we studied on Sunday morning. Different teachers teaching. You can jump in and be a part of that. Get involved in a group. Find a community. Serve. You're going to hear about that in two weeks. Serve your community. Serve your church. God can, he, he will begin to transform you when you're growing in, in community and when you're serving a community. 
Sunday worship, even though you're the temple of, of God's Holy Spirit, it's important that you be here when we gather. And so my, kind of my, like, you know, the, the phrase that I'm using over the course of the next year is when you're here, be here. I'm preaching the choir because you're actually here, okay? I need to be talking to the rest of them, right? Okay. So when you're here, be here. Just be here on Sundays. When you're here, be here. And then more important than anything else, anything I've said, is your own personal time with God. Be committed in your schedule. Be committed in what you do to spending time with him, spending time soaking this up. You know, it's interesting. We, we kind of have this idea that religion says that there's a duty to be a certain way or behave a certain way. But if you really investigate what God's word says, just like those Olympic athletes, it's not duty. It's willingness. It's a willingness to make the choice to either be conformed to the world or to be transformed by the creator, by the one who created you and me. What in the world does this have to do with the body of Christ? Well, this is your part. Yes, we're going to talk in a few weeks about your specific role, but this is your part. You see, if we as a church would commit to Romans 12, 1 and 2, to presenting who we are as living sacrifices, then there's no stopping the results when we rally together around that mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and lead people to follow him. Because you're ability and my ability to be used by God is only going to be limited by what we do in terms of being a living sacrifice for him. And so if you and I are on mission in our own lives personally, then corporately we as a church are powerful and ready to reach our community for Christ. And that's the reason we exist, isn't it? That's it. That's the reason we exist. Transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Living sacrifices. My lasting question to you today is, who is forming you? Who is shaping you? Who is influencing your thoughts? What is influencing your thoughts and what's influencing your mind? In a few minutes, I'm going to pray and um, I just, I'm going to give you a few moments just to talk to God. Just you and God. Now, I realize there's some of you who are here, you're seekers, you're doubters, maybe you're skeptics. I get that. And I'm going to talk to you also in a minute. But for those of you who are Christ followers, I just, I really am going to encourage you to take a minute and just to talk to God. Allow him to pierce your heart and investigate your life and really ask and answer honestly the question, who is shaping you? What is shaping you? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that we so often forget. God, we thank you for your mercies. Thank you so much, Father, for salvation that we just sang about, that um, death was arrested, that we no longer have to worry about that, not because of any good we do, not because of anything that we accomplish or a way we behave, but God, you did that um, through your son, Jesus. And you took our sins and for those of us who put faith in you, who, who put our trust in you, who believe in you for our salvation, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if we died today, um, we're going to be in heaven with you when we die. Our sins are gone, taken away. And that's the mercy that Paul talks about. God, we're so thankful for that. And I pray right now for those who may be in this room who have never given themselves to you. 
They've, they've never accepted you as their Savior. I pray that they would make the most of this opportunity right now to do that. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to um, invite you and I want to challenge you um, to do that today, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be in heaven with God. God sent Jesus, his son, so that you can have eternity with him. And the Bible says all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus. So I'm going to pray a very short prayer right now. And if you're here and you've been a doubter or a skeptic and you just feel right now like God is drawing you to him, maybe something that was said or sung or seen earlier in the service is just drawing you right now to him. I want to, I want to invite you to pray this prayer that I'm going to say out loud. You can just pray it silently to God. There's nothing magical about it. The, the power is in the meaning. Do you really mean it? And it's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thanks for saving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Right now, I admit that I'm, I'm a sinner and I mess up. And right now, I choose to put my trust for eternity in you, Jesus. If you're here today and you just prayed that prayer with me or something like it to God, just in the quietness of this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to be bold and raise your hand. Um, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. Just raise your hand. Thank you for anyone in here who just prayed that prayer. God, the Bible says the angels are rejoicing. God, I just thank you so much for the gift of salvation. And right now, I just pray for those who are Christ followers in here. God, and um, they've allowed maybe the world to begin to shape them. They've allowed the crowd or conventional wisdom or entertainment. or maybe even something that's more dangerous, like an addiction, to begin to shape them. God, I pray right now, in the strong name of Jesus, that you would help them to move from a place of being conformed to this world, pulled apart, broken, confused, troubled. God, I pray that you would help them right now, just in the quietness of this place, to be transformed in their minds by you, into you. I'm just going to give you a minute just to talk to God and ask that question, who or what am I being shaped by? Sometimes the silence is, is deafening. Sometimes it's in the silence where we can hear the voice of God the clearest. And Father God, I thank you that you just revealed some areas, God, um, in our lives where we, we need to give you everything. 
We've been holding back a little piece, a little part, and I, I just pray that you would help us, God, to release that to you so that we could be shaped and transformed by you. God, help us to stay strong with that. God, help us not to be conformed in the next hour or the next day or the next week or the next year, but God, that we would continually be transformed by you. And God, realizing um, that we're a part of one body and that we all play a part in this. And it's our responsibility, each one of us, God, to be continually transformed in the renewing of our minds by you, by you, by you, God, by you. And God, right now, we just as a response to that, um, just give you worship. And we say thank you for the amazing grace that you showed by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. In your name we pray. Amen.